When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are big changes at AlphaTauri. F1's back, but with a difference, the FIA's back on the defensive, Ferrari in transition, and F1 Academy hits the track. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm your host, James McKenzie, having been handed back the hosting hot seats by my good friend, Sam. How did you find it, Sam? Terrifying. (laughs) Couldn't be you. No, I I enjoyed it. It was once I got out of the... um, the broadcast voice, uh, the intro yeah, voice, kind of the, the voice carried <laughs> carried into a bit of the show, which is weird because it didn't happen last time I hosted. Uh, but I I enjoyed it, but I, I like my seat. Thanks. Uh, where it is? How are you? How was your week off? How was England? It was all right. It was yeah, a bit mixed. Uh, I've told you I bore the listener with it. I hurt my neck whilst recording a music video because I'm an old man now. Abby, how are you? Uh, young and <laughs> with a perfectly working neck, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I'm glad you're back. Sam did a very good job last week, but it's good to have you back as the host. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I agree. He did a good job. Uh, I did. I did have a listen. Uh, yeah, so it is just the three of us. Ollie reverts to race review duty, uh, which will be coming up soon enough. But before then, let's focus on some news. And yeah, some pretty recent news was the changes due at Alpha Tauri. So yesterday, the 
uh, team announced that Franz Tost will be stepping down as team principal at the end of the season and he'll be replaced by Laurent Mickies, who is currently with Ferrari. It's no official date for when he joins yet. I would assume it'll be the end of the season. And also Peter Bayer will be joining as CEO. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty big change. Uh, Tosta has been there since they became Toro Rosso back in 2005, obviously led them to their first victory uh, on home soil in 2008. Another one raised all the big names in the Red Bull family. And yeah, Lauren Mickey's will be leaving his role as sporting director at Ferrari. Uh, so more changes in personnel continues in the Ferrari garage. What do we make of it all? I'm kind of sad to see Franz Tost go. Once I learned who he was, uh, <laughs> there's a, a nod to Lewis Hamilton. Um, no, I think he's he's done a good job, but I do think it's time for a change. They've stagnated somewhat as a team, and clearly Red Bull, understandably, feel they're not getting value for money. You look at how much uh, revenue AlphaTauri produced last year compared to Red Bull. Um, they're actually a more expensive team to run, which seems very, very odd. Uh, so, yeah, it makes sense. And, yeah, Lauren Mackey is an experienced hand. So I'm, 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 I'm intrigued to see how it goes. Likewise, I think for Tost, it is time for him to go, which is sad, but Mekis has experience. He has a lot of experience with F1. I think he worked for the team when it was Minardi and Toro Rosso and with Bayer as well. He has experience. So AlphaTauri haven't had a good start to the season compared to previous years. They're ninth in the championship. So hopefully having some personnel changes will get them back up to where they want to be as a team. So I'm interested to see who will replace Mekis at Ferrari though. Yeah, it's, it's quite a promotion for Mekis considering he was obviously sporting director uh, at Ferrari and that's one of the areas that has been up for some criticism recently. Um, we'll see how he does. Team principal, whole different role. Uh, and yeah, Peter Bayer is a yeah, very experienced head to be coming in uh, as CEO. Obviously, both of them actually worked for the FIA at, at various points in the past. Mekis was the safety director and deputy race director before joining Ferrari in 2018. So I guess he could have been Michael Massey if uh, things had worked out differently. I mean, maybe. Uh, I'm sure he's glad that he's not. Uh, we've given where their, their careers have taken them. But I think that although things aren't going well at Ferrari, it doesn't mean that things won't go well for him at AlphaTauri because as sporting director, he is but one cog in that kind of C-suite of um, of team members. And in terms of you look at the, the purview of a sporting director, especially in F1, I don't think it's really Ferrari's weakness. I don't think that's where they need to improve. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how he transitions and obviously the role gets bigger. You, as team principal, you also have to kind of have a say in that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he will be okay. I think it will do well, in fact. But I think we've seen from James Vowles that you can take on a larger, more encompassing role and seemingly look right at home and comfortable from day one. So whilst Lauren Mekis will be going back to AlphaTauri, we are going back to Baku um, with the Azerbaijan nice. Grand Prix this weekend. Thank you. Thank you. I actually, I must admit, I nicked that from an article title that I wrote last year ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's plagiarism always... of yourself, really, even plagiarism. I mean, technically, yes. But, you know, 
I'm not going to follow it up uh, if you guys don't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, so as we know, it is a sprint weekend. It is the first sprint weekend of the 2023 season. The first of six, we've got Austria, Belgium, Qatar, Austin and Brazil to come. But Azerbaijan is the first that will trial a new format. We'll see it at the other five as well. As we know, and that has been announced in the last couple of days, that Saturday is now Sprint Saturday in Formula One at Sprint Races. So what this means is they've nixed FP2, and in its place, we have a Sprint Qualifying, which means that Standard Qualifying, which will re- remain on a Friday evening over a Sprint Weekend, following Free Practice 1, which is obviously the first session of the weekend. So the Grand Prix Qualifying Friday evening, that will set the order for Sunday's Grand Prix as normal. On Saturday, in place of FP2, we have sprint qualifying. That will set the grid for the sprint on Saturday afternoon. So it's basically its own separate kind of event. The Grand Prix is Friday and Sunday. The sprint is Saturday. It differs, the qualifying session though, from normal qualifying. We still have three sessions, but they are reduced down in size. It's half an hour in total. So you've got 12 minutes for Q1, 10 for Q2, and eight for Q3. Also, the tyres are predetermined as to which ones they'll run. Mediums in Q1 and Q2, and soft compounds in Q3. There's also a few other things with regards to when penalties are taken, when you accrue them, etc. But we can get to those in the rest of the conversation. Guys, what do you think? Do you like the format? Do you think it will work? James, congratulations for calling that they would... Uh, what was it you said? Um, Soccer Saturday, uh, the event. Well, yeah. Soccer Saturday up the name, certainly, yeah. So, yes. in fact, if that's easy to find, I might insert it now just to make past James feel great. It's like they're, I don't know if it's for branding, but they're, they're going to call it like a Sprint Saturday, aren't they? I can already see it. It's very Sky, you know, Soccer Saturday, and yeah, yeah. I mean, we've kind of given our opinions on this before because it was so widely expected. It's yeah, it is better if if we have to have a sprint. I prefer this. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it still remains about the same in terms, but I'd rather not have the sprint at all. Well, it's, it's more sessions in anger, right? So yeah. that's that's exciting for, for the viewer. Um, I feel like I really butchered my explanation beforehand. But yeah, only one practice session, Friday morning, and then the rest of the weekend really, really counts. So I think that's exciting. That's definitely a positive. I do, however, as I said last time, wish that they'd gone a little bit further with changing up the sprint qualifying format i like that it's reduced down in size um i'm actually covering the session report so it's going to be a frantic half an hour for me to try and cover all of that but i think you will see some more surprises it's nice that you can have shocks in friday evenings qualifying that will carry through to the race because what we saw previously is those basically eroded during the sprint and actually a pretty normal order come the Grand Prix so I think it it will work well I think they can go further and they should go further and they probably will go further down the line Abby you've been very quiet up to now I feel like yeah I hope that you've been winding up a really really potent and uh interesting point but sorry I've put you on the spot somewhat well we have discussed it before and with this I am surprised that it was only like officially confirmed like a few days before the race. I know it was expected, but to have the confirmation just a few days did surprise me. But I think 
think it'll be interesting. Baku could be quite chaotic and having a sprint qualifying shootout effectively, I think it will provide some surprising results, especially with the shortened times, like you mentioned, Sam. I think it will definitely put some drivers higher up the grid than what we would expect and mix up the grid for the sprint. I'm not a massive fan of sprint races myself. I think there's only one that I remember enjoying, which was Brazil in 2021, I believe, because... Was it 2020? Yeah, 2021. It was. It was that sprint race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But with this new format, hopefully they'll be a bit more exciting. Obviously, free practice for a lot of F1 fans isn't that exciting because... Like, we don't necessarily know what the teams are working on and focusing on, so it can be a bit boring. This will make it more entertaining across the weekend, but I feel like we'll just have to wait and see and then give our opinions on it next week once we find out what carnage it might cause. That's a very good point. Um, Also, I feel like Baku will be quite different, potentially, to some of the others. You look at that list... um, I mean, I don't know how long the Qatar lap is off the top of my head. We've only been there once. Belgium will be quite similar to, to Baku um, in terms of the qualifying, at least, which has changed. But Austria and Brazil will be quite similar. And the difference being that a lap is 140 or so in Baku, which means when you get to that eight-minute final qualifying session, you've probably actually only got one shot, realistically, mm-hmm. At a lap time. So that will add an element of spice. But I think that's just a happy coincidence more than by design. It should be by design, is my overriding point that I've already made. Yeah, I wonder if they will, uh, if they'll fuel him for two laps, maybe, just to give him two bites of the apple, bites of the cherry. <laughs> What's bites of the apple? I mean, you, you bite apple. Um... Yeah, so they've also, you say, Abby mentioned it being very you know, only four days before the event, which is weird considering they've had April off. It's not like they've been lacking in time to to get this sorted. And they've uh, added a dispensation in the regulations allowing the rules governing F1's new sprint race to be temporarily changed without the usual process of approval being observed. So in a nutshell, that basically means they can kind of twist uh, some of the regulations about a bit in the kind of interest of fairness. Now, I find that, I mean, is it, is it a good idea considering, you know, some of the things we've seen in the past of having not properly thought out regulations, you know, Max's award of the championship last year, short-sighted changes to rules, or is it just a bit embarrassing almost maybe, you know, just properly, yeah, think them through and then give some definitive rules. There shouldn't be stuff they're worrying about that they might have to amend on short notice, you'd hope. Yeah, it's a massive risk because realistically any changes to regulations should be run through a sort of kind of simulation-like process where you run through the various options and scenarios and try and tease out any issues there, which is what we saw clearly not happen uh, for the Japanese Grand Prix or what happened, you know, transpired at the Japanese Grand Prix in 2022. So I think they're opening themselves up to a little bit more risk there. Um but again, we'll just have to wait and see. It's quite difficult to kind of um, talk about before actually seeing it all. Um, in the words of Ferrari, there's no need to speculate. Yeah. No, like you say, we'll, we'll wait and see how it goes. And then in the race review, which is coming on Monday, you can hear all about what we thought about it. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt for now. Although for it feels a, it's not a million miles away from from a bit Bernie Ecclestone-ish for this, uh, this for me personally. 
I'll wait, I'll wait for Sprinkler Saturday next year where, when they <laughs> introduce those in for uh, <laughs> some spice on a Saturday. It doesn't work anymore. They can't, <laughs> the cars can't run in the wet. Yeah, true. <laughs> so just yeah, basically, we've just decided to cancel the, uh, the event by ourselves uh, of our own accord. Now, whatever people think about the sprint format, there's been plenty of controversy, not so much at the door of F1, but the FIA. So FIA President Mohamed Ben Salem is facing pressure again after fresh allegations of sexism and bullying at motorsports world governing body. It's been reported that Sheila Ann Rao, the former interim secretary general for motorsport, sent a letter alleging numerous instances of sexist behaviour prior to her abrupt departure last December. The claims were never investigated. Uh, apparently dozens of current and former FIA staff, including officials, world motorsport council members and stewards all paint a picture of erratic and bullying behavior behind the scenes so it's all a bit worrying uh it doesn't look very good and it's just more drama at the fia's door like i said that they probably could do without it is 2023 hasn't been a great year for the fia they've and especially ben salem who has come under fire quite a bit which we've discussed in earlier episodes but The FIA have released a statement saying that due process was followed and that there was no further investigation necessary and mutual privacy terms were agreed. Since then, obviously, Ben Salem removed himself from the hands-on role with F1 and it was Nicholas Tombezi who then took that role. And the FIA have launched a quality, diversity and inclusion advisor as well to help. It doesn't look good for them, like you say, James. Hopefully, this won't become a common topic of the season and things will get better and get back on track because it is a shame to see especially when inclusion and diversity and equality is such a big part of F1 and the FIA coming into this year with F1 Academy especially after W Series ended as well just hopefully things will get better in the future yeah it's never a good look when something like the FIA is the story that should never happen, uh, really. And I think it says a lot that it's 2023 and they're like, oh, we should probably uh, hire a diversity and inclusion uh, you know, head. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> how have you got to this stage uh, without having one yet? It's motorsport. It's an incredibly white male-dominated field. How have you not got a diversity and inclusion um, process and protocol in place by now. Uh, that's odd, really, really bizarre. Um, but also, Abby, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong and maybe I've misunderstood, but Ben Salim has essentially said, we looked into it so there was no need to investigate or like, you know, things were kind of met, but that Im- implies there was at least some level of investigation. Like, did they do that or not? Like, that's it's misleading to me. I think there was some, but there wasn't enough for it to go to the ethics committee. It said no referrals were made to the ethics committee. Mm. So, and then both parties agreed that Shayla and Rao would leave her position last year, obviously. And then Ben Salem left as well. Right. Okay. It's a little bit like the, the police governing themselves or the police policing themselves again, though, isn't it? You know, kind of like post Abu Dhabi 2021, you know, they, it's like, I find myself not guilty a little bit. Yeah, completely. Like, um, I remember during COVID in, in the UK, there was, uh, one of the, um, 
consultancy firms, audit firms, was found to be kind of working very, very closely with the government to the extent that it was essentially the government marking their own homework. And it feels a little bit like that um, here. So it's this is the kind of thing that I would, yeah, say I'd like to see kicked out to a, an independent body to to actually assess because I think they're the best judges of an objective investigation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Moving on to um, news that we kind of touched upon a little bit earlier, um, but potential transition of Ferrari, obviously this now being on the Ferrari end as opposed to what we were talking about with Laura Mekis being Alpha Tauri. Um, potential for Charles Leclerc to be on his way elsewhere. So it's been reported by journalist Leo Torini that apparently the entire F1 paddock knows that Charles Leclerc is speaking to Mercedes. So it's been said, Charles Leclerc is talking to Mercedes. It is an open secret. Everyone knows it from the remote garage in Maranello to the Indian Ocean. So quite, quite, you know, kind of poetic language, nice and flowery, yeah, uh, a little bit of creative F1 journalism. Hang out. <laughs> yes. But that's not the talking point, is it? Charles Leclerc, Mercedes. It makes sense that Mercedes are thinking down the, down the line, right? We talk about Hamilton, will he stay, will he not, all the time. They surely have backup plans because you don't want to be caught completely unawares by a surprise retirement like they were previously. Yeah, uh, and I've, I think it went on to say, or there was certainly something linked to to this article, saying that reportedly, again, because obviously all of this comes with a caveat, uh, Mercedes wouldn't, as well as George is doing, they wouldn't want... Uh, another, again, this is from the article, not from me, uh, Valtteri Bottas alongside him, uh, a, a wingman, if you will. Now, I think Valtteri Bottas is a great driver. I, I won't ask Sam. <laughs> I but... thought you were going to say a great wingman. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think the point is they they want they don't want George to be the team leader and because he's still quite inexperienced. Obviously, he's still very young. It would be maybe they think putting a lot on his shoulders, but if they're bringing in Charles, that's kind of two people at very similar points of their career, and they're asking for another Lewis and Nico situation, aren't they? This all obviously, if Lewis were to leave, with the biggest caveat of all, it would be giving the people what they want, right? This is what, yeah, ultimately fans want is two teammates who can go toe to toe, and. Oh, that was a little Toto uh, pun there. <laughs> Apology, <laughs> apologies. Um, Don't apologise yeah, for that. That was great. The the Valtteri Bottas thing, I think, is a fair point. He, as we've always said, excellent on Saturday. He just didn't have quite what he needed on a Sunday to consistently take the challenge to Lewis. I think, as you rightly say, having bringing Charles in to kind of lead the team is an interesting one, given he's got one year more experience in F1 than George. But nevertheless, he is obviously much more experienced when it comes to the pointy end of the field. So I think Charles is an interesting choice. Um, And also, 
I think Mercedes is an interesting choice for Charles. But I've, I think I said last week, like, where would he go if if he wanted to leave Ferrari? It didn't seem like any avenues were open. Apparently there is one. Yeah, for me, it was surprising to see. I didn't expect to see him linked with that team personally. I think, obviously, 2023 hasn't gone the way that Ferrari would have wanted, especially Charles. He's retired from two of the races, and he's level with Nico Hülkenberg on points in the standings, which when you compare the cars, it's a Ferrari and a house, which is not what Ferrari would want to see. It has only been three races, but I can see that it would be logical for Charles to look elsewhere. If you put him with George, they, like you say, Charles only has one more year of experience in the sport than George. And they're very early on. I guess the interesting thing though is like, who would be the the kind of go-to number two driver from the next generation. I'm not actually sure. Uh, let's not get into that now, though, because we are news from the nerds, not rumours from the nerds, and this is definitely all rumours. Uh, so let's move on to our final point. Although, actually, I was I meant to say this when I was listening to the show last week. Uh, you were discussing how to say Charles Leclerc. Uh, I've heard... So he says Charles Leclerc, like you said, but he says... Thank you. It depends which language he's speaking in. If he's speaking in English, he will anglif- anglify, anglicise his name. And if he's speaking in French, he'll say Charles Leclerc. So there you go. That's what he You does. know what? I think that says a lot about Charles Leclerc as a person in a very yeah. positive way. <laughs> I th- I'm, I'm, you know, go you, Charles. Good for him. That's that's really sweet. He doesn't need or, to do uh, that. Ali Shell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave the French to you. Uh, yeah, I may have joke about you not knowing French, but you know considerably more than me. <laughs> well, let's as I said, let's move on from French. And uh Abby, do you want to take us uh, take us home? Yes. So obviously this week is back to Baku, like Sam said, for F1 and F2. But Motorsport is also going to Spielberg in Austria for the first round of the season for F1 Academy. The all-female feeder series is hitting the track this weekend. It will see all 15 drivers for the first time racing in the academy, and it will consist of two practice sessions, two quality sessions, and three races. So seven lots of on-track time for the girls. And I'm very excited. I know at the moment, It hasn't been confirmed whether there's any direct TV coverage, but you can follow along on the website for live timings and on all the social media. I've seen F1 Academy post lots of very interesting videos already detailing all the girls who are driving for it, Susie Wolf as well. But I am very excited, as I'm sure you guys are, because the start of F1 Academy is finally here this weekend. Yeah, to echo your point, the social media um, stuff has been really, really good. Really informative, clear, nice explaining of pieces to camera, uh, which includes a lot of the drivers. Um, and I think the format is slightly different from what we're used to, but in a in a very good way. Um, so yeah, a lot of track time, a lot of experience. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it take off and hopefully it can uh, stay the distance. Yeah, and on the uh, the TV direction or well lack thereof seeing me at the moment i think yeah people just maybe there's been a lot of criticism uh here and there around social media and i think let's just give them a moment you know let them sort things out and you know that they're not trying to run before they can walk with this series so let's let it find its feet and then we'll watch it when it's there to watch absolutely james in the last point you made about you know we're here to talk about news not rumors 
So in that vein, let's not speculate about things we do not know about. There is always a reason behind something and we just need to let the championship do their thing. And I'm sure it will be revealed, it will be explained. Um, Yeah, I think everyone just needs to kind of take a step back and realise that certain things won't necessarily be out of F1 Academy's choice. There are so many variables and factors at play. Totally agree. Uh, But yeah, I think we'll have to leave it there for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. We'll be back soon, as mentioned earlier in the show, for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix race review on Monday. So be sure to head over and listen to that when it is out. I'm very much looking forward to it. There should be a lot to discuss, uh, don't you think, guys? And also, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. And yeah, it should be loads to discuss. And I'm also looking forward to uh, getting back into the swing of the season again because we've got a really busy uh, run up into the summer. So plenty to talk about on the new show. So uh, yeah, keep tuning in. Yeah. What Sam said, I'm looking forward to recording it. I can imagine it will be a fairly long episode to record on Monday. Um, but yes, thank you and welcome back. Thanks. Uh, well, as Sam said so nicely last week, It is lights out, mics off, and away we go. Until Monday. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.